Our Old Testament reading for this Sunday comes to us from the 51st chapter of the prophet Isaiah. The Lord speaks through Isaiah here as he um, calls the people of, of God to know the Lord, but also to remember that the Lord has called these people from of old and he reminds them of Abraham and shows them that even though the, the way this world goes is often the way of decay, what the Lord promises is restoration and redemption. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you, for he was but one when I called him, that I might bless him and multiply him. For the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all her waste places and makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the voice of song. Give attention to me, my people, and give ear to me, my nation, for a law will go out from me, and I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. My righteousness draws near, my salvation has gone out, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands hope for me, and for my arm they wait. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look at the earth beneath. For the heavens vanish like smoke, the earth will wear out like a garment, and they who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will never be dismayed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our epistle reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Roman Church the end of chapters 11 and the beginning of chapter 12. St. Paul writes to the Christians in Rome to, to remind them of the hope they have in Christ, but also here in this portion to remind them that as they now know Christ, what it looks like to live in the world with that grace of Christ with you. St. Paul writes, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has, been given, who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. I have come to you there mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. 
Though we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please rise as we hear from the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. After Jesus has uh, shown his disciples several miracles that we have read about the past few weeks, uh, he, he comes to them and asks them, who do people think he is? And also, who do the disciples think this Jesus is? And he receives this response from Peter. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven." Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be to each and every one of you through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As many of you know and have asked about me, this, uh, this last week, the beginning of the week, my family and I, we went camping. It was in a cabin, you know, full kitchen, full bathroom, AC and internet, you know, basically roughing it, uh, really taking it tough. And of course, it was also record-breaking temperatures, so that was nice. But as I would walk outside every now and then and feel the heat and feel the humidity, and also with that knowledge that we were breaking records that were set back in the early 1900s, I had this thought about how did people who lived over a hundred years ago stand this? Because, yeah, I can go outside and I can walk around for a little bit, but I know I always have that refuge of going into a nice, cool building where I can control the temperature. And it got me thinking about how we as human beings are really good at finding ways to make ourselves comfortable. Perhaps, you know, AC is... Air conditioning is, is, the, is the epitome of that, right? This idea that we can control the temperature in order to make ourselves comfortable. It proves that we have some ingenuity and some desire to achieve a level of comfort. 
Now, an argument might be made that, especially like this last week, those higher temperatures are, of course, dangerous for some people. It's not just about comfort. But, you know, 85 degrees isn't exactly a dangerous temperature, but how many of you have your AC set to 85? I doubt there's many, because I sure don't. It's not just about safety, it's about the fact that we like to be comfortable. And, and there's, not, there's nothing really wrong inherently about that. I'm, I don't plan on ranting about how we used to be tougher and, and, we need, and we've grown weak, blah, blah, blah. That's not my goal. The point that I want you to consider is that we are actually very good at adapting in order to find comfort. We want to be comfortable. If we find something that makes us uncomfortable, we change it. I'm hungry, I grab something to eat. I'm cold, I might grab a sweatshirt or turn the heat up. If we're tired, hop into bed, take a quick nap. We know how to make ourselves comfortable. But we must also prepare ourselves with an understanding that while comfort is nice, it shouldn't be and isn't the primary goal of our lives. Now, perhaps you think, well, yeah, that's obvious. I know that. But think about how much time, how much energy, how much resources go into getting our comfort. All the money we spend, all the, the energy we exert in order to make sure that we have the right kind of clothes, the right kind of temperature, the right kind of food, we like comfort. But being uncomfortable isn't the worst thing in the world. And sometimes it's good to be uncomfortable. For the last 13 weeks, the pericope has taken us through the letter of Paul to the Roman Christians. And they were a people who were uncomfortable. They were uncomfortable because they were living in a region and in a culture, in a society that didn't agree with their religion, didn't agree with their morality, and in fact actively opposed them. But Paul was trying to bring them comfort, telling them that despite the things that are going on around you, Christ has died for you, Christ has forgiven you, Christ has promised you a hope and a future. That's absolutely true. But Paul also continues this on, and we hear this in, in chapter 12 of Romans, where he, he kind of turns it a little bit to help, help the Roman Christians and us see, now that you know that Christ has died for you, now that you know that your sins are forgiven, now that you know that your future is in him, what does the rest of your earthly life look like while you walk around covered in his blood, forgiven and restored. What does that look like? And Paul says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul calls us to be living sacrifices. 
It's a rather uncomfortable word, sacrifice, isn't it? That word sacrifice will, especially in our Christian context, bring to mind some of those Old Testament images of the the high priest bringing in a a, a sheep or a goat or a bull or something into the temple and slaughtering it there before the Lord and then spreading the blood everywhere, a rather gory and, 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 and vicious sight. And he calls us not to make sacrifices, which is bad enough, but to be sacrifices. Doesn't sound very comfortable. And he says, this is what it means to be a sacrifice. Don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Because it is comfortable to conform. You may not think about it in that way, but to conform means to just let things happen. To just let the world shape you as it sees fit, to share the world's morality, to share the world's form of priority. Plus, it's also comfortable for us to pursue our own desires, isn't it? It's comfortable for us to not think about the consequences of our actions. It's comfortable for us to do the things that will feel good right here and right now. It's comfortable to share that nasty bit of information you've learned about someone, right? It's comfortable to be in conspiracy with someone else against another person and say, you know what I heard? It's comfortable to let your lusts and your desires drive you. It's comfortable to hold on to those things that someone has done to you and to not let them go and to say, you know what, I feel righteous because this person has sinned against me and I'm not going to give them forgiveness because they don't deserve it. It's comfortable to do these things that we know are wrong because they give us a certain sense that we are the ones in charge. We are the ones who can choose our destiny. We are the ones who can make these decisions. And it's not always comfortable for us to hear the word of God. Sure, it's comfortable to hear that our Lord is for us, the Lord is gracious, the Lord is kind, the Lord is loving, and these things are all true. But then to listen to the way God calls us to live, he calls us to live in patience with those who test our patience. He calls us to be gracious to those who have sinned against us. He calls us to have understanding for those that we just simply cannot get. And he calls us to be gentle with those who are abrasive and difficult. Consider this. Did Christ seek his own comfort? Obviously not. Christ, being the Son of God, as St. Peter, uh, as he uh, confessed this morning in our gospel, did Christ, was he forced to ride that donkey into Jerusalem, or could he have just gotten off? He is the Son of God, he could do what he wishes. Could Christ have told Pontius Pilate, you know what, I'm walking out of here, I don't want to be here? Of course he could. Could Christ, with a word, stop the whips from hitting his back? Could Christ, with a word, make the cross disappear? Could Christ, with a word, stop the nails from piercing his skin? Yes. 
Because that would have been comfortable. But because of his deep and abiding love for you and for me, he took on our discomfort. He took on our condemnation. He took on our damnation. He took on the things that we don't and couldn't stand up to so that we could have the comfort of knowing that we have a life everlasting in him. Of knowing that our future doesn't end with death, but it continues on into eternity. Christ showed us the greater good. That it isn't about being conformed to this world, living as how the world would have you live, or living as even how our own hearts would have us live, chasing after the, the, the desires that we know are wrong, but to look to the cross and acknowledge that right there, Christ took on the ultimate sacrifice. Christ became the sacrifice and then rose from the tomb to promise you and me a life everlasting. And we are to be transformed by that word. Transformed by the reality that Christ has died for me and for you. So that we do not continue to seek after our own comfort, but to be people like the Romans who acknowledge that this world is hostile to us. Acknowledge that life is not always going to be comfortable. There are things that we preach and teach within our church that will not make others comfortable. And they may seek to make us uncomfortable as well by challenging them and saying that can't possibly be true. But we believe it to be true because God tells us so. The ways of this world are fleeting, the ways of this world are temporary, as Isaiah says, wear out like a garment. But the word of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, and the promise of Christ lasts forever. So do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by God's word, that you are his people here, now, and into all eternity. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.